Stress sucks. Sometimes exercise sucks too. It's so wild how two psyche things are related to each other in so many ways. Hi, I'm Emma McMillan. I'm a fourth year psychology student at Mount Allison. I was a multi-sport athlete most of my life and never understood how people enjoyed going to the gym. I still don't really understand the allure behind lifting weights with other smelly people, but I do know the benefits of exercising. On this episode of This Is Fine, I'm going to tell you about how physical activity can make you feel better when you're stressed. But first, I'll go through some important definitions that you need to know to make sure we're on the same page throughout this episode. Next, I'll talk about how physical activity itself can be a stress, the benefits physical activity has on your mind and body, and a he said, she said discussion about a study. These topics and more are coming up. Don't stress about any of this. I'll be doing all the work here. Now, let's get moving. I'll be using physical activity and exercise interchangeably throughout this podcast. However, there is a little bit of a difference. Physical activity is any bodily movement that is produced by your skeletal muscles that requires energy expenditure, and exercise is a subcategory of that. Exercise is a planned, structured, and repetitive activity to improve or maintain a component of physical fitness. So there's five components of physical fitness. Muscular strength, so how strong you are. Muscular endurance, how long you can last doing a certain activity. Cardiovascular endurance, yes, cardio. Flexibility, so like yoga and stretching, and body composition. Body composition is, surprise, the way your body is made up of fat, bone, and lean tissue. So in the 1940s, researcher Hans Selye basically created the concept of stress. Now, I don't mean that he created the horrible feeling we get, but he named it. Selye defined stress as, and I quote, the nonspecific response of the body to any demand made upon it, end quote. So basically, it's anything outside of homeostasis. This means that physical activity is stress in and of itself since it's a deviation of homeostasis. Hold up. What is homeostasis, you may ask? Well, homeostasis is just like Goldilocks's just right. It's that sweet spot of where your body wants to be. Your body maintains its homeostasis through making adjustments because of what is happening in the body. For example, the average internal body temperature is set somewhere around 37 degrees. When you run, your body heats up, so your body starts to sweat trying to get you to cool back down to the desired internal temperature. The same thing happens when you're cold. I figure skated forever and there were still days where my hands would shake and shiver to keep my body warm. Your dog does this too. I know you've seen your dog panting with his tongue out. Same idea as sweating. These changes happen for you and your dog while you're out there moving. A really neat thing is that your homeostasis can actually change over time. Remember how I said I skated? Over time, my home rink just never felt all that cold. It became to feel like a room temperature for me. My homeostasis for temperature shifted to accommodate this new normal. People who do a lot of running have a lower resting heart rate because their running has strengthened the heart muscle so it can pump a greater amount of blood and oxygen with each heartbeat. Your heart rate is going to rise as you do physical activity to make sure you're getting enough fresh oxygen throughout the body. Let's imagine you decide you want to run a marathon. The first time you go for a run, your heart rate increases, you'll get sore muscles, your lungs are working hard, and you're breathing heavy. You're alert and... Wait a second... 
Aren't these the same things that happen to your body when you're stressed? Yep, exactly. So I have a sister. Actually, I have two sisters, but I could not write a book with them. Emily and Amelia Nagowski are twin sisters who wrote a book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. It's a lovely book, but I'm going to give you a super spoiler. Physical activity is the single most efficient strategy for completing the stress cycle. Completing the stress cycle is a way to let your body know that it is a safe place to be, even with stressors that are around. Now, close your eyes. Well, don't do that if you're driving, but if you're in a safe space to do so, close your eyes for just a second. Now look, a lion! Okay, what was your first instinct? Running? Yeah, I know. Me too. Between 20 and 60 minutes of physical activity does the trick for most of us. I know it's hard to get done every single day, but it's the best way to get it done. There's no magic or best way. Just getting up and moving does wonders for your body and your mind. Maybe imagine that lion is chasing you and you'll get that physical activity done in no time. You may remember the mid-2000s Nickelodeon TV series iCarly. Basically, it's two teenage girls, Sam and Carly, who created a web show called iCarly. A segment that appears in many of their episodes is called Random Dancing. Sam presses a button on her remote that says, Random Dancing! And everyone in the room has to dance around. When you realize that you're stressed out or maybe have been sitting at your desk too long, just turn on your favorite tune and let yourself random dance. I recommend Shake It Off by Taylor Swift because, in her wise words, quote, but I keep cruising. Can't stop, won't stop moving. It's like I've got this music in my mind saying it's going to be all right, end quote. And it's going to be all right. One song could turn into six, and that's perfectly fine. Plus, then you'll have those 20 minutes of physical activity done without even realizing it. Keep in mind your body does not understand what a fight with your partner is or what exam stress is. Your body has its own language. Movement. Try your best to take breaks throughout the day and make sure you keep moving. Physical activity makes me feel sticky and sweaty and overall a little gross, but it does have some really great benefits. I hope I don't sound too much like a high school phys ed teacher begging you to get off the bench and participate, but I am going to let you know some of the benefits that physical activity has on top of the fact that it is the best way to complete your stress cycle. Yes, reminding our bodies that they are safe. Physical activity is so good for our bodies and we know it. Physical activity strengthens our bones and clears out bad cholesterol, which decreases the risk of stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes, and so many other diseases. Moving your body releases endorphins, which are natural hormones that control the pain and pleasure responses in your body. You know how people say they get a runner's high? I don't know if I believe that so much, but science agrees. When we exercise, we release endorphins, which are the body's natural opiates. The runner's high is a feeling of euphoria that comes with the release of all these endorphins. It'll also improve your mood and memory. So get moving and shake it off. Let's buckle into some more technical things, shall we? Back in 2005, two researchers decided they wanted to assess the correlation between mental toughness and physical endurance. They used four components of mental toughness. Control, commitment, challenge, and confidence. Control means not being afraid to take control or responsibility for the situation you are in. 
People who are mentally tough have greater control over their emotions and their lives. The idea of commitment is based on achievement and goal orientation, meaning mentally tough people can involve themselves fully in what they are doing and give it their all. Challenge consists of risk orientation and learning orientation. Risk orientation is the preference for a risky or certain outcome where you can frame your wins and losses. So kind of like risk management. Therefore, folks who are mentally tough can view stressful situations as being challenging, but focus on what can be gained from the situation. And confidence includes interpersonal confidence, but also confidence in your own abilities to achieve success. In this study, male undergraduate students answered 48 questions about mental toughness. After they completed the questionnaire, they each sat at a desk where they were asked to lift a dumbbell that was about 1.5% of the participant's body weight. For context, someone who is 175 pounds had to lift about 3 pounds, so really nothing too heavy. They held the weight suspended with their dominant arm in an overhand grip, kind of like an extended punch. Grab a can of soup, or nothing at all, and see how much more this episode you can listen to while your arm is suspended like this. Essentially, this study found that people who scored higher on the mental toughness questionnaire were able to hold the weight longer. Sounds fine and dandy, right? If you're mentally tough, you are stronger and better able to endure physical stress. Better yet, tons of researchers after this study used the findings to support the idea that as mental toughness increases, so does physical endurance and pain tolerance. Even though these two researchers measured weight hold duration and not pain. Weird. Doesn't make sense that we can state something that isn't really what we looked at, right? 15 years later, in 2020, another researcher felt the same way. So he strapped in and tried to replicate those findings from 2005. Surprise! He did not find the same results. In fact, the results indicate that the relationship between mental toughness and hold time is undetectably different from zero. Yes, for all you stats lovers out there, P was definitely not less than 0.05. Okay. Buckle up again, because we're going to dive into why our new study doesn't agree with the last one. Talent, practice, and skill level are likely all different amongst these participants. Nobody has the same talent, practice, and skill level. Otherwise, the Olympics wouldn't be a thing, and the government would just send us all gold medals. Performance could also have been influenced by the strength and resistance training and how long someone's arm is. All of this to say that some bodies are built better for holding weights and some people could have already had practice holding weights while others didn't. So maybe the test wasn't all that fabulous to begin with. The jury's still out on the link between mental toughness and the ability to endure physical stress. Both of these two studies were done in a lab setting, which might not be the best place to feel less stress and do some exercise. There was a study done to examine the psychological benefits of exercise while exercising alone or with others, like a friend or a stranger, in different exercise environments, like in a lab, indoors in a gym, and outside. Overall, it was found that mood was generally improved with exercise, especially when the activity happened in a more real-world environment, so like in a gym or outdoors compared to the lab setting. These findings are generally consistent with older research that suggests that exercise produces positive psychological and mood benefits. 
It's not all that easy to pack up and go to the gym, though. Some people experience something called social physique anxiety. This is the anxiety that someone experiences as the result of perceived or actual judgment from others. It keeps people from doing physical activity, particularly in public gyms, because they're so worried other people are looking at them and judging them because of what they look like. The first time I went to the gym, I was worried people would think I wasn't wearing the right thing or wasn't doing the exercises right. And some people are scared that they don't have the right body type to go to the gym. I'm here to say that's not a thing. All bodies are gym bodies if they're in a gym. It seems that people with high social physique anxiety are much more likely to be physically active for body image reasons. But physical activity also seems to lead to a decrease in social physique anxiety. If you're worried about yourself at the gym, once you start, it usually gets better. Being a member of a like-minded group can also decrease this anxiety. So if you're a woman, maybe becoming a part of a women's only fitness class is something you would enjoy. Social physique anxiety can make it hard to get to the fitness center, but something else can too. Being stressed. Being stressed makes it hard to be physically active. I mean, it's already hard even when you're not stressed, but it makes it harder too. There's a part of your brain called the anterior cingulate cortex. Sounds fancy, right? Anyway, this piece of your beautiful brain has been implicated in things like the ability to understand and share feelings of another person, impulse control, your emotions, and decision-making. Even better, it sends tons of messages to your motor cortex, who is the head boss in the planning, control, and execution of your body's voluntary movements. Being stressed can make your brain tired and foggy. We've all felt that. But if your brain is tired before you even start physical activity, there's a high chance your muscles will be tired too. Stress does a lot of bad things for our bodies that can affect how we can be physically active. First, stress increases muscle tension. Because this has a negative effect on motor control, our risk of injury increases. It also slows down how quickly our tissues repair themselves, leading to longer recovery times, which can be totally frustrating as an athlete or someone working towards a goal. We have a negative stigma around rest, which is addressed in another episode of this podcast that I encourage you to check out. Speaking of injuries, stress also hinders concentration. This means the more complicated a task is, like a team sport, the worse your performance will be and the higher your chances of getting hurt. Stress hinders progress. A group of researchers investigated the effect of cognitive fatigue on physical performance in a paced running task. 20 experienced runners, unlike myself, performed two 3,000-meter runs on an indoor track, once after cognitive fatigue and once under no fatigued conditions. Completion times were significantly slower in the cognitive fatigue condition compared with the control condition. Who knew being tired and stressed would make you run slower? Stress also makes it harder to lose weight. Our primary stress hormone, cortisol, can lead to packing on extra pounds around the midsection. Stress has also been shown to increase food cravings and the risk of depression. This can be a cycle and make some people more stressed out because they're gaining weight that they don't want to be. Stress is also a serious demotivator. Sometimes you just need to sit on a couch because the day was too much. But sometimes you need to turn on your favorite dance tunes and give yourself some random dancing time, even if it's while sweeping the floors. Let's talk about the scary concept of commitment. Now, I'm not saying you need to marry someone and spend the rest of your life with them, 
but I will let you in on a secret. Even if you don't ever get married, you're committed to someone for the rest of your life. You. Something that's easy to commit to when it comes to physical activity is something so much more beneficial overall. Find something, whatever your thing is, that will keep you moving. The easier it is to integrate into your daily schedule, the easier you'll find it to commit to. And it doesn't need to be exercise, just make sure you keep your body moving for 20 to 60 minutes a day. For me, Sundays are clean the house days. I sing and dance as I sweep the floors, I sweat trying to clean the bathtub, but I reward myself at the end of the day with some Sunday night football. And a shower. And a face mask. Just before going to bed. Just making myself clean and getting my body moving and out of bed does wonders for me. I don't think I would be any good at tango dancing, but it does sound like a lot of fun. A study found that both meditation and tango dance lessons reduce depression in participants with self-reported stress, anxiety, or depression. Great, right? But get this. When compared with a group who was on a wait list for the tango dance, the group actually taking tango dance lessons had their stress levels reduced significantly. Maybe I should try. One way things can be implemented into our own lives easier is if we do them at work. Many workplaces are very open to stress management courses, but there's a decrease in popularity of more traditional in-person stress management interventions. A recent study compared yoga-based stress management and cognitive-based stress management. It was found that both are beneficial in promoting many aspects of health and well-being among frontline mental health providers. People doing the yoga rated it as enjoyable and useful. With the growing popularity of yoga, it might be time to implement these types of interventions into the workplace and get away from the traditional in-person stress management. Other companies encourage people to form walking or jogging groups over the lunch hour. Physical activity during the workday is especially something to keep in mind during COVID times when people are more stressed than usual, and so many people have shifted to working from home where it's possible, so getting out on that lunchtime walk is great for the body, soul, and mind. All of this to come full circle and say that stress sucks, and sometimes physical activity sucks too. But you already knew that, right? These two are related to each other in so many ways. Physical activity is a stress. Stress makes it hard to do physical activity because when you're stressed, you're less motivated, your body is tired, and it's just hard. But physical activity is also a good stress because it's intense and short and you're the one fully in control of it. Physical activity is the best way to complete the stress cycle. You know, the thing that tells your body that you're safe from the lion? Giving yourself 20 to 60 minutes each day is amazing for our bodies and minds. Turn on that singing in the car playlist and bring out the broom and sing and dance and clean. You've got time for that. You have to clean the house anyways. Getting your body moving outside with friends is even better. Commitment can be hard, but finding something you can easily fit into your day-to-day -day life and enjoy is easy to commit to. It'll make you feel so much better when you do. Hey, any of you listening still holding your soup cans up? <laughs> I'm Emma McMillan, and I don't love exercise, but I love to dance in my room and clean the house on Sundays. Find your thing. Don't stress about it. Let's just get moving. This is fine. A podcast about stress, burnout, and resilience was created by students at Mount Allison University. 
The students created each episode as part of a fourth-year psychology class called Stress, Burnout, and Resilience, taught by me, Dr. Lisa Don Hamilton. There's a link in the show notes to access the full script with references. You can also go to mta.ca slash psychology and click on the This Is Fine podcast link. Episodes were recorded at the CHMA studios in Sackville, New Brunswick, or over the internet when that wasn't possible. Script assistance, podcast basics, and training were provided by Matt Tunnicliffe. Music and audio production by Jeremy Dahl at paleblue.studios. Thanks for listening and for supporting these students' foray into the world of podcasting.